Everyday consumers are being bombarded with the next big thing in health, wellness, and fitness. What's the future of keeping ourselves healthy, and what's just a passing fad? Hi, I'm Joey Thurman, and if you don't know me, I'm a health and fitness expert and author. I've been fortunate enough to work with celebrities, athletes, C-suite executives, and everyone in between. I've been featured on the Today Show, Live with Kelly and Ryan, Good Morning America, TEDx, and lots of other publications. As part of my ever-increasing thirst for knowledge, which ironically happened after college, I decided to create the Fatter Future podcast. What sets this podcast apart is that I am the guinea pig for these episodes. I don't only want to bring in world-class experts on the show, I want to truly get a first-hand experience what it's like to, say, go on ketamine and trip for my depression, go on a three-day fast drinking nothing but coffee and water for age reversal, eat nothing but plants and get the blood work done to back it up, or even get my brain mapped to see how messed up my head is from getting knocked around playing hockey. Once I try these things, I bring on the experts to talk about my experience and explain it to the audience in a digestible manner and ask the true question. Is it a fad or is it the future? Because after all, we don't want to be fatties. Hey, what's going on? It's Joey Thurman. This is the Fatter Future Podcast. Now, why is it the fatter future? There's so much information out there. Dr. Google will tell you everything. Now, I'm with you today. I'm going to bring a bunch of experts in and we really want to get down to what is a fad or what is the future, whether it's fitness, nutrition, sleep, mindset, anything. I'm going to bring the experts to you and we're really going to figure out, is it a fad or is it the future? I'm not going to decide for you. I want you to decide for yourself. So today I have Dr. Alex Paziotopoulos. That is a fun name to say. He owns the Pazio Institute in Chicago, Illinois, and you are a medical doctor. You've got a bunch of initials behind your name. Give me a little bit of background about yourself, Alex. Sure. Well, I went into medicine later in life. I was a yoga teacher and studied Shaolin Kung Fu. Studied biochemistry, a little bit of neuroscience, started so off So, you can kick my ass. <laughs> okay, carry, carry. Yoga, Kung Fu, okay, carry on. So, I was in that wellness space before I was in the MD wellness space. And I got to see how much that affected people's lives. Mm-hmm. And just watching how yoga or Tai Chi, Qigong, all that stuff would impact people's lives and change it for the better. And just good nutrition. I've been a vegan for over 22 years now. Wow. I uh, lived in a cooperative house with a bunch of meditators. So, seeing how that space helped people was amazing. And then I came to the realization one day that, wow, I could take this to the next level by going to medical school and still incorporate all of that stuff as well as the things that I didn't have access to. Because without the MD, you just don't have the tools. Right. So, then went to medical school. While I was in medical school, I joined the fellowship with A4M, which is American Academy Anti-Aging Medicine to work on my functional regenerative medicine fellowship. Okay. My residency was in family medicine, which was also associated with uh, University of Arizona's integrative medicine program. So, I really wanted to have that type of residency background. And then I've done stem cell fellowship and I've done a peptide certification as well, trying to stay on top of everything. And then beyond that, now there's a whole age reversal network of people so, Aubrey Gray started all of this with his SENS Institute and the Buck Institute. Now, there's Undoing Aging and there's another conference I speak at sometimes. It's called RAD, Revolution Against Aging and Death. Wow. So, so um, that's you, where I'm at. 
you would qualify yourself as a medical engineer. You, you obviously have a, an extensive background. And I think a lot of people, when they hear somebody, they say age reversal, medical engineering, anti-aging, there, there's a bunch of terminology that you use. And often people look at this like, oh, this is just some sort of quack. This is some sort of practice that they're just trying to sell me snake oil. And you obviously have an extensive background. And I think it's great that you, you decided to go into medicine later on in life. So, you're able to study all these things and study with the monks and you know be able to kick my butt and probably a bunch of other people. But at the same time, you're doing medical engineering. And specifically, why do you say medical engineering and not anything else? Good question. So, I'm not an engineer. But I think if I wasn't a physician, I'd probably go into engineering sure. just because I, I really like the way that engineers solve problems and prevent problems from happening. If you just do a Google search for industrial engineering or maintenance engineering, you can see that engineers are really good and they've been really good at maintaining very complex systems and machines mm -hmm. for a really long time. And these guidelines have been there for over a hundred years. So it's, you know, one of the things I talk to my patients about is Airplanes are inherently dangerous, but they're the safest mode of transportation. And there's a lot of bureaucracy and all this kind of stuff, but it comes down to engineers have created all of these protocols so that planes don't crash, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But those protocols aren't being utilized for your health. And you're a much more complex machine than the airplane. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense is what I tell a lot of my clients. So, our body is a system and essentially that's what you're saying is we need to we need to treat that you know as a machine and everything is correct me if I'm wrong is working in conjunction and coordination with one another we can't just go fix one thing if we're not looking at the other thing yeah i mean you know there's a synergistic effect you know and like there's all these feedback loops and we're just really complicated so it's one of the reasons i do so much at the clinic is i don't want to get compartmentalized because I don't want to treat problems. Right. I want to work on optimization. There's definitely problems and everyone's got their unique situation in front of them sure. that we need to address, but in an engineering way. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, essentially, somebody's coming into your clinic and for those of you listening out there, I see Dr. Alex myself. So, I have firsthand experience with this. So, somebody comes into your clinic, what is the process specifically? I say, hey, doc, I don't feel well. I'm tired. I can't get up in the morning. I don't have enough energy. I'm depressed. What is it? What's the process? First process is you go online and you fill out this extensive questionnaire. Okay. It takes the average person about 45 minutes. Then you come into the clinic, we see you. I usually spend about an hour and a half with patients talking to them about their life. I mean, it's the least I can do. I mean, you've lived your life how many years before you've seen me. I right. need a little bit of time to understand what's been going on. And that's a big difference. Most doctors, you go in, you make an appointment, you got, you got a cold, you got a cough and you know some nurse comes in and checks your vitals and then they see you for five minutes and then they give you some medication and you're out, but they didn't really try to solve anything. Right. Or just see the picture globally. Right. So, the questionnaire gives me a little bit of information. And then talking to you and going over the questionnaire with you gives me even more information. Then we get a, a baseline metabolic test. Well, my baseline metabolic test ends up- <laughs> Which is about, extensive. It's about 16 pages of labs, yeah. including some genetics. Then if you have any medical records that you can give to me, we collect all of that stuff. We get your labs. You come back. We review all of your labs. I go over all the medical history with you. And then we talk a little bit more about- what your program is going to be. The one thing I like to do is lay out a program for a patient for a year. I always say it takes a year at least before you really see 
a big difference in your life. Right. And most of that has to come from behavior change and you can't do too much at once. You know, we're not animals in a cage. Like it's great. You know, it's animals in a cage. You can just put them out. Okay. You're going to sleep at this time. You're going to exercise at this time. It doesn't work for humans like mm -hmm. that. I've tried it. It doesn't work that well. <laughs> <laughs> so we create a, a big plan for the year, which is going to include everything that we need. Okay. So like all the lab testing, all the supplements, if we're going to do peptides, you know, if you're going to, what kind of cognitive tests or neurofeedback or biofeedback, the list is extensive and right. what we're going to need for this person. And then that person gets to see this whole plan. And I tell them it's a syllabus for the year. And they also get to see what that cost is going to be. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I talk to everyone about is this placebo versus nocebo effect. Dr. Alyssa Rankin goes into it. There's a new book, Science of Intelligent Achievement, that goes into it, that negative thoughts have much more profound effect on us than positive thoughts. And because of that, we can't afford to really have that many of them internally, and we need to stay away from them externally. Right. And if I'm always telling somebody, okay, you're going to come back in a month, they're thinking in the back of their head, oh, that's another consult fee. Right. He's going to hit me up for more supplements. He's just going to push these supplements on me just because to make more money. Right. So I just like, no, we're getting away from that. Here's a plan for the year. If this isn't going to stress you out with your money and your finances, then you go for it. Right. And then once you're in, well, now every time you come back, it's a positive feedback loop, yeah. right? Like you're in, you want everything. You want the next supplement. You want the next test. You want the next program. And and it's all positive all the way then. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And for me to segue a little bit, I, I think that getting rid of the, those negative thoughts and obviously behaviors, but uh, thoughts can be really heavy and they can weigh you down. And something that I did when I first came in to see you is, you know, I'm an open book. And as you guys are listening here, you're, you're going to hear a lot of things about me, at least the pages that I, I, I want to show you with my book here. But essentially, I struggle myself with depression, with anxiety, with, with a, a lot of things. And if this is resonating with you, I really want you to pay attention here. Now, there's a, well, new therapy as far as I was concerned. It's called ketamine therapy. And I did this myself. And when I first heard ketamine therapy, this was one of those kind of club kid drugs that they use in the day, right? Absolutely. People still do it. It's, it's, abused, <laughs> it's abused greatly. Okay. So, tell me a little bit about, you know, you do ketamine therapy and treatment in your clinic. You know, and when I first heard about this, I was like, man, this, this sounds crazy. This sounds like something I'm going to see, you know, on TV and, and all these like treatments where, you know, you've got somebody like tied up to a chair and you're, you're freaking out and they're giving you this sort of stuff. But you've actually noticed some, you know, very good results with using ketamine. So tell me a little bit about what ketamine specifically is and why we are starting to use it for depression and mental issues. Sure. If you Google ketamine, there's so much information out there right now. In 2017, there was a study that this ketamine-assisted psychotherapy should be fast-tracked because of how beneficial it was to people with depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and pain. Yeah. So, ketamine is a really old drug. It's a very, very well-studied drug. This came out in the early 60s. And in the early 60s, when people were getting anesthesia, People were dying because it was suppressing their lungs and their heart and they didn't have really great heart-lung machines back then. So, ketamine was great because it didn't affect those systems. It doesn't knock you out all the way, but it disassociates you from yourself. And that's how it's helpful for depression and the other things. So, you say disassociates you from yourself. What does that specifically mean? When you introduce ketamine to somebody and you take enough of it, what'll happen is 
I hear this a lot as people's drips start, I'm dying. And they are because you're getting separated from who you think you really are. Uh And you're allowed to see things from a more objective point of view, which is why people start to see things that they hadn't seen or they suppressed for a really long time. I have people tell me about childhood traumas that they never really dealt with or associations to things that they never really came up with during their journey through this IV drip. So it's profound in that way, but you don't get there until you get separated from who you normally are. So your mind and your body are almost two different entities at that point. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's your mind. It's just kind of like you're... We all have this like little delusion that we've created in our heads of who we are. Uh-huh. Right. And there's all these filters that you're constantly employing to look at the world and look at yourself. And when those get pulled away, it's uncomfortable. And But that's what's necessary in order to, to see deeply. Okay. So, you have noticed that when you say drips, they basically they've got an IV, right? Sure. Oh. So, there's a lot of ketamine out there right now that's being done IV as well as intramuscular. Okay. And these clinics are popping up everywhere. Unfortunately, what a lot of these clinics are doing is they're just pushing ketamine so much. They're saying, oh, look at the study. It's so great. Just go sit in here. Let me put you in front of Netflix and scream it out or cry or whatever. And and there's no one there helping them. Like, I'm totally against that. Yeah. So, a little bit about my experience. I went into your clinic. I had you there, and then I had a licensed therapist friend of mine as well. I've been in and out of therapy my entire life. So, I was struggling a lot. And when I first see you, you said this is something I should try. And honestly, I was a little freaked out about it. But, you know, I, I was to the point where I feel like I needed to do something a little bit more extreme to tackle that. So, what happens? I, I went into your clinic. You gave me a drip. You were sitting there and you were talking. I remember you saying, find a place where whether it's a hole or something dark and kind of, kind of reach for that. So, as it was dripping, I felt myself, everything started to get dark and close off. And I was trying to climb down when I was a kid uh, growing up in the St. Louis area, these Merrimack caverns. So I was climbing down this, this ladder and I got down there. Everything went black to me. And you're blindfolded during this entire experience for everybody listening. So hopefully I can describe it to you. You're blindfolded. You're in a recliner chair. You've got Dr. Alex talking to you and then the licensed therapist. And my friend was next to me as well. And they're guiding me through this process. And everything went as dark as could be. And I just remembered, I kept saying like the walls are closing in on me. The walls are closing in on me. And you wanted me to find color. You kept saying search for color. When you were saying that, what, what were you trying to get me to find? So everyone's a little different. I've never seen anyone have one, the same experience twice uh-huh. <laughs> or anyone have the same experience as another person. So if you remember, like I break the IV sessions into three parts. Mm-hmm. There's the pre-IV, which we create intention. And I try to break those intentions up into two things. Does this person seeking knowledge or is this person seeking strength? If they are seeking knowledge, we take them up. Right. And if they're seeking strength, we take them down. And I refer to Michael Harner's work in shamanism for this. Mm-hmm. I studied with him like over 20 years ago. And the upper world is like your masters and places that you get knowledge from. And the lower world are kind of like your power animals and That's where you right. get strength from. You were saying that you, what world do you want to be in? I believe I, I went to the, the, the plant animal yeah. lower world, right? And when you're in a disassociative state and you've experienced this, 
you're not thinking clearly. If you have more than a couple of intentions, chances are you're not going to get any of them done, mm-hmm. right? Because you get distracted. You know, it's a psychedelic drug. Right. So, you know, you see lots of what I call baubles, right? Like pretty things to look at <laughs> <laughs> and get carried away. And right. you might even talk to somebody that's not even worthwhile talking to. And right. so that's why I like to have the communication with somebody so I can guide them. Yeah. In your particular case, you were kind of stuck in this darkness. Yeah. And so I was trying to get you to get out of the darkness right. and to find something else. And then, you know, and you eventually did yeah. and you were able to get out and find some other things to interact with and gain knowledge. Yeah. I mean, gain it, strength. it was wild. You know, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I was this disassociated state and however you want to explain it, if there was some sort of other dimension, people are like, what did you feel? What did you see? Just remember that dark is dark. When you close your eyes, you can still kind of see a light. This what that light wasn't there. It was completely gone. I just felt these walls closing in on me. And then these walls, they weren't completely closing in to the point where I couldn't move. They were leading me somewhere. And I just started seeing, I remember saying Legos, Legos, Legos. Well, there's, yeah. there's Legos because there's Legos going all around, around me. And my friend was taking notes on this too. So I actually have like exactly what was happening. Legos, like what's, what's going on? What's going on? You kept saying, find your intention. I remember that. I remember at one point you had your hand on my chest because I started breathing deeply. I'm sure I started crying at one point and these Legos are just stacking up against me. And then at, at one point, I remember not seeing color, but seeing light, like the silver white and that I was essentially like in a plane that I was the plane. Like when you, when you fly over and you look out the window yep. and, you, and you just see the skyline, that's what I saw, kind of the Chicago skyline or, you know, some other city. I, I just imagine that's Chicago. And I could see my wife and my son the outline of her holding him. And it was the craziest thing. And once I saw that, I remember my breathing kind of calming down. And, you know, I believe that was my intention that I, I found that. But the whole time I never saw color and I saw them sort of floating above me, but I was sort of flying to them and I came out of it and I remember just crying and crying and crying. And I just had this like sense that, well, one, I felt like I just drank an entire bottle of wine. I, I, sure. I felt kind of drunk a little bit, but this sense in this purpose. So, whatever that was, it really led me to that. And I went to um, actually stayed at your clinic for another hour or so because you're a little bit out of it. If you do this, you should yeah. definitely not go to work or anything afterwards. No. And you need the decompression. Yeah. You know, and then you said, you said journal or just relax or don't watch TV. And so, I went to my buddy's house who's also you know PhD and he's he was with me the whole time. So, I was, I was able to sit there and decompress and I remember the next day just feeling more calm and I have a short fuse and I felt much more relaxed. And then when I went back with two, three weeks later to do this again, I saw color the next time. And I don't know if any of you have watched Game of Thrones, which is probably most people. There's there's a scene where like kind of the wall is like melting, but I started seeing that wall melting in color. I kept saying like, I see the walls are melting around me. And it was just this amazing experience just to let go. And I don't remember crying during that session, but at that point I had one of those little sleeping masks on and I took the mask off and I'm thing was soaked. And I just had much more intention after that. And for me who struggled with depression my entire life, I've only done two of these. And I know that for a couple of weeks afterwards, I just feel more on point. I've been on antidepressant medication and all sorts of things to try to help me. But this is something that lasted for uh, you know a several weeks and I should probably go back and do this more repeatedly. But for people that suffer for severe, severe depression, you recommend more treatments in a shorter amount of time. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, and 
people have, they're doing it differently. Yeah. No one has like it down. We're all kind of playing with it a little bit, like how often we do it and when we do it. But one of the cool studies is that people with suicidal ideations, if they just get a drip, it usually breaks them right there. There's nothing that's ever done that. Yeah. So that's just fantastic. You know, as somebody goes on an SSRI medication, it takes six weeks to work, right? And it's like, well, wait a minute. This medicine's blocking the uptake of this serotonin. Mm -hmm. So the serotonin's going up. Why does it take six weeks? Because it's working on another receptor. Okay. That should take a while where ketamine works on that immediately. So the things like the Zoloft and all those antidepressant right. medications, basically, they've got to build up over six weeks because there's not an immediate effect. Yeah, and then there's all these side effects with it, right? So there's side effects with ketamine, but it's immediate. If you're doing ketamine as an IV in a clinic setting and you're not abusing it, your brain tends to reset kind of like rebooting a computer. Mm -hmm. If you're inhaling ketamine and, you know, if they're a nasal that somebody gave you off the street and you're doing it all the time, there are cognitive deficits that happen. Right. And that's pretty well studied. But somebody like in an acute phase, like if they can come in three times a week for two weeks, they have profound changes. And it's not that I haven't seen profound changes with people getting one drip sometimes. Right. right? And then there's also the people that are resistant. So, you know, it doesn't work with everybody all right. the time, but it works with people more than I've seen anything else work. Yeah. So, you're not saying this is a magic fix and that's what's for you guys to decide. Like, we're not coming in there and saying that you guys need to do this and it's going to fix everything, but this is something that is has been shown to show pretty much immediate effects. And if you're going to experience a side effect, it's right away and, and it's truly going to help you feel more calm and relaxed and sort of deal with your emotions a little bit better. Yeah. And it gives you deep insight to your personal journey, right? Mm -hmm. Things that you might have like stuffed away or you know, associations that you hadn't made before. Yeah. And then what we like to do is we like to follow that up with like a health or life coaching because, right. all right, so I identified all this stuff. I know what patterns I have. I know what patterns I want to have and it's kind of laid out, but we're humans. If right. we don't have somebody kind of holding our hand, nudging us to help us do what we know is good for ourselves, right. we're going to default to doing what we already just did. Right. And then we'll end up in the same position we are in and we're going to need another drip. Right. So I don't want people to keep doing drips. I want, right. you know, it's great if you need to do them every once in a while to go deeper and have more knowledge about yourself. But I want you to use that information and apply it. And that's why we have patients, we call them members right. of the Institute. So they're always being taken care of as we see them throughout the year. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense that you're seeing them, you know, sometimes several times a month and you're, you, you've got these appointments with them and, you know, they're, they're coming in and they're making sure they're, they're, they're checking on things and they're in their nutrition on, on point and their exercise and every single thing that goes into that. And, you know, the mental and the cognitive is huge. Now, besides the, you know, obviously the antidepressant benefits of ketamine, is there anything else that ketamine has been shown to help with? Yeah, anxiety. Okay. Anxiety is fantastic. It just breaks that cycle. And post-traumatic stress disorder. There's some studies out there with NMDA right now for post-traumatic stress disorder that are getting fast-tracked due to Johns Hopkins. But ketamine is working fantastically right now. Now, you know, ketamine's off-label use for anxiety, mm -hmm. but it's becoming so widespread and accepted. It's because it's so safe. I mean, the safety profile of ketamine is incredible. There's almost barely anything out there that you have to watch out for. Like maybe somebody with like this thing called the porphyria, which is a genetic disease or 
somebody with really bad asthma or something like that. But that's why we do it in the clinic. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, yeah, you don't want to go out and, you know, take a bunch of ketamine and, you know, <laughs> and trip balls at the club like uh, everybody. Yeah, you won't get a benefit out of that, right? Because yeah. you didn't create intention. You didn't have a therapist there or somebody like guiding you through mm -hmm. your experience. And then you didn't do a decompression. Yeah. Because right when you come out, well, that's the time you can make associations because mm -hmm. now you're like, oh, I know what that meant. I know what that meant. Yeah. And you can talk and for the next hour, we just kind of hash it out. Yeah. And then over the next week, you're journaling. Yeah. I feel like that for me and my experience, that was one of the best things. I mean, yes, while I, I was in this tripping state, if you will, for lack of a better term, but I mean, that's kind of, that's really what's happening. You're in, in this other dimension and, you know, what other, what other one that... I went into, I got out of it and then we started talking about what happened and possibly what that meant. And then the next day I met with my therapist friend and we talked about it and then he started going through the notes and he's like, here's what I said. Here's what you said. Here's what Dr. Alex said. Here's what was going on. And that's why I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. I remember that. Oh, this is probably what's happening. This is what, what was happening in my life. And the crazy thing is when I kept saying Legos, 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 all these huge Legos coming around me. The next day when I got home, I stayed at my buddy's house and I, the next day I went home and I saw my son. And he's, he's playing in our hallways like 40 something feet long. And I, I look down and he's playing with something. And my wife rotates his toys because anybody ha has children, you know, they play with a toy for a day or two and they get, they get sick of it. So, she rotates them. And I walk in and the kid is playing with these massive Legos. And I literally lost it. He hasn't played with those Legos in months. I didn't tell my wife about the Legos and what I saw at Legos. And I just saw him and my mother-in-law was there and she was helping take care of him that day. And I, I just I just completely lost it. My wife looked at me, she's like, what's going on? Like he's playing with these big Legos. And she's like, yeah, okay. And like, <laughs> I kept seeing Legos when I was on ketamine. And it was one of the most impactful experiences of my life to see that. I'm like, what made you do that. She's like, I don't know. He just hasn't played with those in a while. So, call it what you will, but I use that as a sign. And I'm a firm believer in, in trying to pick up in these things and that he was playing with those. And then I saw that and I saw her holding him and that was my intention because you never know like what, what's going to happen. And this is scary. Like, I'm, I'm doing this ketamine thing and I, and I told my family I was doing this and, you know, they're kind of like, what's going on? And, you know, we're, we're sorry that you feel so down on yourself that you feel like you need to take these extreme measures. And that's why I like talking to you about this now because yeah, it may seem extreme right now for people to talk about it. I say, Hey, I, I did ketamine. Like, what are you talking about? Would you, you go to the club? I'm like, no, I, I was in a doctor setting and I had a therapist with me and I don't want people to go in and just do this and watch Netflix and, you know, do a ketamine drip. And if there's that intention and doing it correctly, such as, you know, most things in life, you know, medically speaking, if there's an intention you're doing it correctly and they're under supervision of a doctor, I think that is huge. And for me, what was it the end all be all fix of all things. No, I, I still struggle myself, but it has made me more conscious and tried to take that extra breath and maybe, you know, let that fuse elongate a little bit without snapping. And it, are these things that big of a deal? No, not so much, but it was that catalyst for me to start like focusing more on my mental health. And I, I focus on, you know, physical and nutrition so much and using that as that stepping stone was very beneficial for me. One other thing I noticed is that I had a lot of pain before and not, not just emotional pain, but physical pain. And after the ketamine, I swear my back pain was less. Is that something that ketamine is known to kind of rewire pain receptors? Oh, fantastic. It works for pain so well. 
before I get into the pain is studying yoga, I saw so many people with all kinds of chronic pain issues. And then I practiced more Ashtanga yoga than anything else. So it's kind of a set sequence. Okay. And you'd watch people start the process and, you know, getting on their mat every day and starting to move and they're letting go and they're letting go. And it's all about this letting go thing. And in today's age, you see people like they're using these machines and these foam rollers and all this kind of stuff. And they're trying to like, oh, this muscle's tight. I want to break it up. Well, it doesn't really work like that. It's your brain. It's your central nervous system is sending a signal to this muscle to tighten up because it thinks that you might get injured. So, let's say an animal broke and a limb, the bone mm-hmm. in the wild, all those muscles would go into basically tetany around that bone, making a cast to set it so it wouldn't injure it further. But then the animal doesn't relive the event a million times in its mind like we do. Right. And it, over a few weeks, then those muscles start to relax and the bone heals. We don't do that. We keep it really, really tight. But we've seen these studies like, you know, Christian saints through their prayer or other monks as they just do meditation and stuff like that. They can do these incredible acts of flexibility, but they never worked on their flexibility. They right. just let go. So, when you're on a drip of ketamine... You're resetting all these receptors in your brain. You're allowing the hemispheres to to talk to each other through the corpus callosum at incredible rates. You can see these the information is flowing is incredible. No hemisphere knows if it's dominant or not at that point. And if you look at the list of receptors that ketamine influences, it's insane, right? So it's basically talking to your whole brain. I'll have people come in with migraine headache, menstrual cramps, back pain anything. And I just give them a very low dose of ketamine just for pain. So, not even a disassociative No, disassoci- not even dose. that high. And I'll just be like, here, just relax. I'm just going to give you a shot. I'll do it intramuscular. It releases in about five minutes, uh-huh. lasts for about 20. They feel like they had a couple of drinks maybe, right? You just keep them calm. It's not enough to where they're going to have a trip or they're going to have a bad experience or anything like that. Right. And the majority of the time, they just get back up and they're like, oh, I'm fine. And I'm like, you're sure? And they're like, yeah. And they just go back doing things like they never, that never happened. Where like those things usually cripple people. They'll out of work two days, right? Go sit in a black room. Don't touch me. No sound. Leave me alone. I'm going to punch, you know, take a bunch of ibuprofen or, right. right. And so it's a fantastic tool for pain. Wow. It even helps people come off of opiates. And that's a little bit different because we want to do an IV mm-hmm. and we want to do it over two hours little bit lower level. And yeah, I still like being in the room for them. Right. Just because everybody reacts differently. But after a few drips, people don't need the pain medicine anymore. And they're not reaching for, you know, those benzodiazepines and all the opiate medications and stuff like that because they don't need it. Right. Now, if they keep going back to their same patterns of behavior and not doing range of motion exercises, holding all their stress internally, mm-hmm. yada, yada, it's all going to come back. Right. But- when you reset yourself, you have a much better chance of not going back there. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, I have no cartilage in L5S1 in my lower back. And after doing a couple of trips, my back pain is much better. I know biomechanically there's some things going on. So, you know, repeatedly I'm, I'm going to have some stress going on from there from, you know, being beat up playing college hockey for so long. But I immediately 
felt better from that. So not only mentally, mentally, but physically as well. Cause I noticed a lot of times, you know, that if you have a mental block, you will have that pain block too. And, and you will have pain associated in different areas. A lot of different cultures believe that, you know, pain kind of moves in your body and that makes a lot of sense where, uh, yeah, so if you think you're going to get injured, your body is going to hold on to that and things are going to get tight. Anything else with ketamine that you think that people should be aware of? Yeah. I just think, you know, pharmaceutical companies are coming up with ketamine-like nasal sprays and other things like that. So, it just got FDA approved recently? Yeah. I would, I would stay away from that. To get a patent, you have to change the chemical just a little bit. So, okay. it's going to hit these receptors a little bit differently. It's going to get metabolized a little bit differently, right? It might have a higher what we call affinity, so it sticks to things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We know ketamine's safe the way it is, right? Until right. we have really good long-term studies on these chemical changes, I would wait because we know that nothing's going to happen to you with this ketamine, mm-hmm. right? Like it's one of the safest drugs we know of. Make sure that you're going to a clinic to get it with somebody there with you. Not that there's no benefit in getting an IV and watching Netflix, you know, I mean, there probably is a benefit there. Right. Is it as great as doing a psychotherapy session? I don't think it's even close. Right. So, I would just use it the way that we know it to be done best. And you can, when you look online, there's groups like MAPS and Psychedelic Safety and all these places, even out in California. No one's saying put somebody in a room with Netflix, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> all the psychotherapists and stuff like that, they're they're relying on these older studies that came from like Timothy Leary and Ram Dass and creating intention, having multiple therapists in the room. Right making people very comfortable, making sure that their eyes are shaded, heavy blanket, and always doing a decompression. So, if you're doing it in that way, it's super safe, a lot of benefit, even people that don't have huge problems, right? Like if you just want to expand your knowledge of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and you're doing deep work on yourself, whether you're doing that with a life coach or a health coach or a psychotherapist, it can be a tool to learn more about yourself. Right. Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think that especially with anything, you know, people want a quick fix and, and they, they want a pill to fix their every single ill. So, you can't just work out without eating well. You you can't, you know, work out and think your muscles are going to grow without resting or recovering. You can't burn the candle at both ends. You know, your body's eventually going to start breaking down. It's going to start shutting down. Something has got to give eventually. Maybe you can do something for a little bit and hit the ground running and, and don't ever, you know, slow down. But after a few weeks after a little bit, your body is going to start breaking down mentally, physically, you're going to have some issues. So, looking at it and going to a professional such as yourself and approaching it in a systematic way makes a lot of sense. Dr. Alex, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Pazioinstitute.com. Pazioinstitute.com. P-A-Z-I-O. You don't need to spell Paziotopoulos. My wife's Greek, so I nailed that pronunciation. Thank you guys so much. I'm Joey Thurman. This is the Fat or Future podcast. Ketamine therapy, fat or future, you decide. Let me know in the show notes, comments, fat or future podcasts on Instagram, social media. Take care to your health. Thank you for listening to this episode with Dr. Alex Podziotopoulos. Man, I love saying his name. Be sure to follow the show on all socials at fat or future podcast. You can troll me online at Joey Thurman Fit. Yeah, make sure to subscribe, like, share the show. It would help me out tremendously. And you know what would help you out? Don't be a fatty merchandise. Yes, that's right. Hoodies, hats, t-shirts, and beanies that can be found at fatorfuture.com. And make sure to check back next week for the episode with Dr. Sam Afara. 
brain training. Man, the guy did a brain map on me, and you can tell that I got beat up playing hockey, that I've suffered from depression, how messed up I am, and how we can fix it. You don't want to miss this episode.